Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. A very good Tuesday morning uh, to you. It really is a cold day out there. If you haven't ventured out yet, make sure that you wrap up warm and we're in for a frosty night tonight as well. And the rest of the week uh, is looking like this cold spell. We're kind of under a bit of a, uh, an Arctic blast at the moment. So later on in the programme, we will be finding out how the week is going to pan out because we've invited um, Alan, Alan O'Reilly of Carlo Weather uh, just to take a look at the weather situation for the rest of today, tomorrow and across the rest of the week. And what is it looking like? into the weekend so if you are a weather watcher we'll have Alan on a little bit later today and there's a lot of topics actually we're going to be dealing with uh, today that are kind of making uh, headline news so anything you want to talk to us about we'd love to hear from you John Paul's taking calls at 0818 103 103 the texts and the whatsapps are already coming into us at 086 103 103 we will be talking a little bit later on on the programme uh, today about the news that the government leaders agreed last night to lift the current ban on uh, evictions and it's going to go ahead as planned at the end of the month and I know that statement in itself is going to really put fear in a number of people, people who already have a notice to quit their property but have been able to stay in their houses or apartments because this eviction ban was in place, I know there's going to be a lot of very, very upset people this morning uh, with the with this news. Now, the moratorium, it had been introduced last October and it will now definitely end on the 31st of uh, March. There was a meeting last night. We spoke about it yesterday of the three government, main government parties in coalition. And we also know that the housing minister, Dara O'Brien, sat in on that meeting as well. The legislation which has underpinned the ban provided for the moratorium uh, to be phased out over the coming months. So the reason for that is to ensure that there isn't going to be this sudden wave of evictions. So the evictions are going to happen over a period of time. And we'll try to get a little bit more detail on that just to try to give clarity to anybody who has a notice to quit on their property. The Taoiseach Leo Varadkar, Thánis the Michal Martin and the Green Party leader Eamon Ryan, along with Dara O'Brien, the housing minister, held what we're told is a very lengthy discussion on the eviction ban. So I'm assuming they did look at possibly extending it and that's what some people had hoped they would do. Dara O'Brien now brings the memo to the Cabinet today. He'll outline, uh, outline the plans to allow the eviction ban to end while also telling colleagues that he is seeking a significant budget 
package which is going to be aimed at both rent, renters and landlords and obviously that's where the detail will need detail on that for people who are renting and for landlords. The Cabinet will also discuss measures to help tenants buy their first home also, there's going to be proposals to give housing agencies the first refusal on property sales, but that's only going to be in certain circumstances. Let's see what those circumstances will be. They're also going to look at measures for increasing social housing, increasing student accommodation, budgetary measures for landlords. That's also going to be announced, but that's not going to happen until later on in the year. Tenants also will have the first right of refusal on the sale of a house that they're living in. This is under a government's plan to try to tackle the housing uh, crisis. Now, that will suit some tenants, but it won't suit all tenants. It'll only suit tenants who are in a position that they're able to, you know, cobble together a deposit and are in a position that they're able to afford the mortgage. But at least it's a chance for the tenants to get the first right of refusal on the sale. Actually, something like that works in France where renters have the option of bidding on the house first. This is a house that they're living living in if the owner uh, puts the house up for sale. So it's worked in France. Maybe it could work here as well. Now, I know that the Taoiseach, Leo Varadkar, he was in Waterford at an event uh, yesterday and he said that the government is seeking to balance the rights of tenants and the rights of landlords. And he says, I think anyone who's been following this debate understands that it's not a black and white uh, decision. And it may not be a black and white decision, but it certainly is a black and white decision. If you are a family with children and you're living in a house and you've had a notice to leave the property, this is certainly a black and white issue because you now know that that eviction ban has been lifted and you know that in the coming weeks and months you and your family are going to have to leave and we know what rental properties are like and the lack of rental properties at the moment. So anyone that has any question with regard to that or commentary on it, please make contact with us because later on we are going to have Threshold joining us on the programme there, the housing uh, charity, and they certainly will be able to advise people if you find yourself in the position that you know you're going to act, go, you're going to be asked by your landlord to vacate your property. So any questions you can get them into John Paul at 0818 103 103. And another issue we're going to be discussing in a couple of moments are, this is coming from the Transport Minister Eamon Ryan, plans to introduce congestion charges, also plans for higher car parking uh, fees all been done in a bid to try to get all of us to stop using our cars. Now, some of what has been proposed has been widely criticised by even government TDs themselves. It is the Transport Minister, Eamon uh, Ryan, who also is the leader of the Green Party because so we know Eamon Ryan's views on cars and we know that he wants all of us to use our cars as little as possible. So he's bringing a memo uh, to the Cabinet that's going to trigger what's been described as a year-long process of developing a demand management strategy. Whole idea from Eamon Ryan is to help Ireland reduce its emissions reduction uh, targets. But he is facing a massive backlash from both Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael TDs and senators. Some are branding what they're hearing from Eamon Ryan as toned deaf. Others are saying it isn't a very wise uh, decision. Government members, for example, of the Oireachtas Transport Committee, they have all called for the proposed Uh, changes and charges to be delayed until such time that the public transport network is able to cope with the additional numbers. For example, Cahill Crow 
He is a Fianna Fáil TD for Clare and he's also on that Transport Committee. He branded the move as anti-rural Ireland and he says that in his county the car is king because Clare and certainly parts of County Cork will be very similar to Clare. We just don't have the public the infrastructure for public transport. He said the policies that Eamon Ryan is currently talking about might fit and certainly would fit in Dublin. But he said if you're living in the countryside, car is king. He said we don't have the public transport to allow that model shift. He says it is tone deaf to rural Ireland. It is way off uh, the mark as far as he is concerned. And our own Cork East, Fianna Fáil uh, TD, James uh, O'Connor, he's also a member of that Transport Committee. He says the proposal is infuriating as he says the infrastructure is simply not there to allow people to simply switch from their cars. He said it is infuriating uh, because the infrastructure is not there. He said the green lines and the darts are all at capacity in the morning, not a single kilometre of additional rail track has been laid since this government took office. So he's even saying in Dublin they're already uh, stretched. And Fianna Fáil Senator Tim Doherty, he said uh, the plan should not be about penalising people. And definitely anything I've read about this plan, uh, and, and let's wait, and you know, as I say, I know it's going to be a year-long process, but anything, it all seems to be about getting more money out of people in their cars. I mean, they're talking about congestion charges you know, 10 euro if you want to drive into the city centre, for example, would be a typical congestion charge. There's also talks of parking charges going up by 400%. Not just a couple of extra cent on your parking charges, but going up by 400%. The idea is that if it's going to cost you a lot of money to park, then you might decide, well, I'll take the bus instead of parking the car. And that's all well and good if you're able to jump on a bus. And I thought the Fianna Fáil Senator Tim Dooley, I thought he made a really good point, particularly when he was talking about the congestion charges. And he said, look, congestion charges in London make sense. And they've been hugely successful in uh, London. But when you look at London, London has a world class public system, public transport system. He said, we don't have that in Ireland. We're simply not there yet. So he's dead against the notion of congestion charges. OK, so both of those topics we will be discussing on the programme today. But your thoughts and comments welcomed throughout the morning. And Michael says, Patricia, isn't it great to hear that new subjects are to be taught in a primary school? But what about the promise by government to have free books for all national school children? Uh, when is that going to be rolled out? Another school year is dawning next September and that's only around the corner. No further developments on free school books for another year of national school pupils says Michael yeah that gets mooted and spoken about uh, so often and, and and you're right I know we're only into what are we into the beginning of March but families that live on very tight budgets are already thinking about next September and the cost of going back to school and the cost of uniforms and the cost of books haven't heard anything mooted or mentioned uh, Michael about the rollout of that but certainly it is something that successive governments have spoken about. I will later on in the programme take a look at what's been spoken about for the new primary school there's to be a new uh, curriculum uh, rolled out. First time, it's the first new curriculum I think in many many uh, years and thrilled to hear that they're talking about rolling out foreign languages, an additional foreign language to be rolled out in primary schools because it happens in primary schools in other countries and if you ever go abroad on holidays, uh, I, I'm I'm always astounded by 
children, say Spanish children or French children, and they'll all have another language. They'll all be able to speak English or German children are always great at having an additional language. And I know we teach Irish in our schools, but we don't teach another additional foreign language. And I think it's a lost opportunity. I really do. So it's good to see that this is one of the things that's been been discussed and looked at by our current Education Minister, Norma Foley. And they're talking about introducing a foreign language from third class. I know when they go into secondary school from first year, they normally start to pick up a, another language. But wouldn't it be great to have it taught from third class? So I will try and look at that curriculum in more detail later on, uh, Michael. But Michael's on about when will they roll out school free, free school books. Haven't heard of it being mentioned in a while, Michael, for sure. And Anne, just talking on payments, says, Patricia, do you know exactly when in April the extra €200 Euro for carers, when is that to be paid out? It was announced in the recent cost of living uh, package. It was. It's a second lump sum of €200. Euro. It's uh, the work, anyone working family payment will get it low, parents will get it low, income families this um, uh, listener Anne is correct carers are to get it pensioners are to get it people on disability benefits are to get it and the reason for it it's to, it's to do with that there won't be a cliff edge on fuels and energy costs but I've just done a quick look on gov.ie and all they're saying to date is it will be paid in April I'll see if we can check in with citizens information they're usually quite good on giving a more accurate date but when in April and if you're really waiting on that 200 euro you need to know is at the beginning, the middle of the end of April. So, and I will see if we can get further clarity, but certainly on gov.ie, they're just saying the payment will be made in April. 0818103103. And a lovely WhatsApp in from Joan to say, Hi Patricia, I was in Lila's restaurant in Bottevant last Saturday. It was really busy at the time that I went in, but the service was fantastic. Not a bother to staff, even though the restaurant was busy. Everybody was smiling and friendly and uh, excellent as service. Thumbs up to the cook as well. It was fantastic food. I'll definitely be calling again, says Joan. Well done. So I don't know if if, uh, uh, Lila's have us on or not in the background, but if any Anybody's popping into Lila's restaurant in Buttermint today. Will you tell them that we gave them a shout out and to keep up the great work, great food and great service from the staff. And it's always good because we're very quick to call out bad service and bad food. And I always love when somebody takes the time to call out good service. So well done to everybody in Lila's Cafe in Buttermint. This is Cork Today on C103. Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork today at c103.ie. Now, the Green Party leader, uh, Eamon Ryan, and Minister for Transport is expected to bring a memo to Cabinet setting out how and when the government's climate plan can be achieved. Now, one aspect of the plan deals with the move to end congestion on our roads and a change to the way road space is used. Kerry Independent Dáil Deputy Michael Healy Ray uh, joins me with his uh, views this morning. Good morning to you, Michael. Uh, good morning, Patricia, uh, to you and your listeners. And you're welcome to the programme. And I have to say, since I mentioned uh, briefly that you were going to be joining me and I mentioned what uh, Eamon Ryan has been proposing, we're inundated with uh, very angry texts and calls about uh, one said Eamon Ryan. Anyway, the plan, we are told, would see priority given to public transport and cycling and walking. It aims to give viable alternatives to using the car for every journey. Will that work for us here in Cork and your good selves in Kerry? Well, you see, this is it. There, there, there's a little thought going gone into this. Now, this is coming out of the mouth of the same minister 
uh, who not too long ago said that people in living in smaller villages that we should carpool and that we should all have uh, we'll say a small number of cars, maybe 10 cars, he suggested, in a village. We should walk or cycle down to that village. We should pool the cars. In other words, if I'm using the car, you'd have to wait until I come back. And, uh, and like, it was an absolutely crazy, insane suggestion. At the same time, he was talking about reintroducing wolves to Ireland. Now he's moving on to the cities. And, um, for example, if you take Cork City, people from Kerry have to go to Cork maybe for appointments, health appointments, different issues that they would have to go to Cork. He's talking about, number one, and you see, they're trying to say now that it's only, and I say only in inverted brackets, that it's only a tax on actually entering into the city, like the tax that was brought into places like London, right? Yeah. Now, Cork or Dublin is no London, right? And we people in living rural areas, we have to visit these cities. And telling us that we can't anymore go in without having to pay a levy, but he's also saying, that the price of fuel itself should increase enormously to try and dissuade people from using cars. He's also saying that going on from 2016 figures, that the price of car parking should go up 400%. Now, these are the type of crazy suggestions that are coming out at a time when you know as good as I do. And I'm sorry now to to beat you out with this, but I'm going to use you as an example, Patricia. Okay. Before, when you would be at home and when you would get your ESB bill, to be blunt about it, you were never actually worried or afraid of your ESB bill because it was always controllable and it wasn't out of the world. Yeah. But now, when you are at home and you are representative of every one of your listeners today, when you actually see the ESB bill and when you're opening it with a knife and when you're wondering what's inside it, you're actually afraid. And that's not an exaggeration. So when people today are afraid of their ESB bill and what it actually is, and oh my God, how much is it going to be this month? We have a minister coming along and saying there should be a congestion charge on you if you're going to a city. The price of the fuel itself should be increased. The car parking should be increased by over 400%, which is enormous as it is. Not a mind having to put it up by 400%. And these people are quite simply not living in the real world. And when I say all of this, I'm not a climate change denier. I have a forestry, I have a farm, right? So like a lot of people uh, that, that are in the countryside, we are all only custodians of the countryside. I never yet see a person taking land with so we're, we're only passing it on to future generations. We want to protect it. We want to protect our environment. But the one thing that we can't do is we can't forget that the people that are here today have to live. We had a, a, a warrior in Tralee during a very cold spell who came out with a very important message, as he put it, on Facebook. He was a, a Green Party representative. And what he said was, do not be lighting cosy fires as there is this is creating smog and, and pollution over the town of Tralee. So he was telling older people, don't light a fire. Like, if you're going to get cold, that doesn't matter, but protect the environment. My goodness, that's like telling somebody, you better, you better stop eating because, you know, it might be harmful for the environment if you're eating. I mean, we have to live. Yeah, and, and yet on, on the other hand, whenever whenever we get cold weather, we'll always get advice from the HSE um, and from government ministers telling older people to stay warm and to turn on their heating. Yes, 
what do they want? For people to stay at home in the perishing cold and older people, vulnerable people, sick people, disabled people, and maybe get pneumonia, pleurisy and die? Is that what they want? Now, well, I know, I, I know I, all of this is modelling and, and, and it's not policy, uh, we're told. But I suppose what, what I'm seeing here on the text message coming in from listeners we know the fact that it is a Green Party member is the Minister for Transport. We know that the Greens don't like the idea of us driving around in our cars. They want us to use the cars less. They do, but you see, we have to stop actually talking about the Greens in this way and I'll tell you why. The Greens can do nothing, they're able to do nothing and they're going nowhere unless they have the support of Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael. So when we are talking about Eamon Ryan being uh, out of touch, bringing this forward to Cabinet. Anything he's brought to Cabinet so far, they've taken it from him, they've shined it up, they've turned it around and put it out as government policy, supported by Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil. So every Fianna Fáil person and every Fine Gael person it has ownership of this lunatic idea. And if, if this is brought into policy, like a lot of the other things, like shutting down Bornamona, the, the people that can be thanked for that are the government supporting parties, which is Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael and the Greens. And of course, we do have Sinn Féin and we do have Labour supporting an awful lot of what they're doing. So the people will have to wake up to the reality that it's not just the Greens that are doing this to them. It is also the main political party. But, the, but it is, Michael, all about reducing our greenhouse uh, emissions. I mean, yes. if, if we don't cut our car usage, how do we cut our greenhouse emissions? OK. Now, and I'm glad you asked me that because I appreciate the opportunity of being able to answer it. You have three countries in this world. That is India, China and America. They're producing over half of the greenhouse emissions and half of the pollution that's in this world and half of the carbon output in this world is produced by those three places. Ireland is down at uh, 0.01%. So we're, we're not even near being 1% of the problem. And we have three countries that are, we're like, we're minuscule in all of this. And that's not to say that, oh, well, we shouldn't be doing anything. Of course we should. We should be playing our part. But why do we have to make masters of ourselves and nail ourselves to the pillars of the cross over this? Why do we have to shut down Bornamona and, and instead bring in biomass fuel into fines where thousands of lorries have to drive from from uh, the port and fines up to Offaly. Why do we have to import Bellsbury kits from Germany because we can't make our own anymore? Why are we importing peat from Latvia because we're not producing our own anymore? You see, if you follow the carbon footprint of some of their ideas, it's actually harming the environment. Yeah, you'd wonder and how much offshore. sense it's made. Now, I know they're talking about things like commitment to speed up um, offshore wind, wind development, but they've been talking about that for... You know, since God was a child. I mean, wh- where are we at with offshore wind development? Well, I'll put it to this way. You'll be waiting a long time before you will see a wind farm out at sea and the turbines turning and the, gener- the and it generating energy. Like, it, there was always a saying, live horse, get grass. They're talking about all these types of things. It makes no sense in the world to me why some of these geniuses haven't woken up a long time ago to the fact that if you look at every roof that we have in Ireland... There is actually no reason in the world today why I can't see that every house, every farm building, every factory, every roof that we have that would be suitable, which is virtually every roof, should have a solar panel up on top of it. 
and and that should have been supported and pushed over the last number of years. But what did they do about it? Nothing. They might say to you, there's grants in place now. There is until you go looking for them. And if you have a business, say, for instance, and if you make an application for a grant to put solar panels up on the roof, you will actually realise that you will be better off financially not to apply for the grant. So if they got their act together and thought about doing sensible things, what have they done, for example, about reducing the amount of plastics that we're using? Long ago, the people were sensible enough that they were getting milk in shops. It was in glass bottles. Why don't we do that again? Why are we yeah. producing millions of bottles of Yeah, let's, of yeah, let's look at alternatives. Let me, let me just give you a sample of some of the texts um, uh, coming in. Uh, would this government, and especially Eamon Ryan, get a life for once and for all? The idea of congestion charges, increased parking charges, it's all totally anti-motorists. Public transport in rural areas simply non-existent. If my daughter had to depend on public transport, it would mean she'd either be at her place of work an hour before she's due to work or else she'd be two hours late. Our cars are our freedom and our independence to go wherever we want whenever we want. We need the Greens out of government. Hi Patricia, Eamon Ryan would want to get a reality check. A man by the way that cycles to work and a guard the car travels with him uh, and brings his laptop. This guy really is a piece of work. And Pat in Limerick says, hi Patricia how would the businesses in all of our cities around Ireland feel about Eamon Ryan's congestion charge and this huge increase in car parking charges I'm sure their businesses are under enough pressure already with the rates and taxes that they are paying. I hope as associations, business groups will be fighting this tooth and nail. The green agenda has gone far enough and Eamon seems to think he can do what he likes. I hope the rest of Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, the rural politicians, stand up and put Eamon Ryan back in his box. The sooner we see the back of him, the better. There's a lot of anti-feeling, I have to say, against uh, Eamon Ryan. And in fairness, a lot of the backbench TDs within Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, Michael, are talking publicly about this proposal. Yeah, they're not, because if they're talking publicly about it, that might be in the constituency, but when they come up here to Dublin, when they think they're not seen, they blindly and loyally vote for everything that has gone through. Have you ever seen any one of the government supporting TDs coming out and saying, no, this policy is wrong, I'm going to vote against it? No. They go down into the constituency, they might go on your radio station and say, well, I'm concerned about it. But when they're pressing the buzzer, they're loyally and blindly supporting Eamon Ryan and all that goes with him. So they are doing this to their constituents. And I can't see how people can come up to Dublin, forget about the people that sent them here and vote for this type of nonsense. And like when I say this type of nonsense, nobody is going to try to say about me that I'm not interested in the protection of the environment, because I am. But like okay. I say, look at what the Germans are doing today. The Germans are realising that we have an energy crisis, not just now, but into the future. So they're opening up coal mines that were closed. And while they are doing that, uh, we are after shutting down Bornemona, one of the most insane acts that was ever taken place in this country. It was like the finishing of the sugar beet industry. Every politician that's there now will admit and agree that the closure of the sugar beet factories was actually a sin. It was wrong. It shouldn't have happened. But they came out out afterwards and said they made a mistake. That's right. But they will do the same thing. And now we have to import sugar. Yes, but they will do the same thing about Bournemouth. Like we're importing bales of briquettes today. And the one thing the Greens hate and Fianna Fáil hate and Fine Gael hate is when you remind them of that. When you tell them that there's 27,000 people who rely on the horticultural industry, you know that they completely forgot about horticulture. When they banned beet production and our peat production in Ireland, 
they forgot about horticulture. They just actually forgot about it. There are 17,000 full-time and 10,000 part-time people. We are one of the finest places in the world for horticultural goods, uh, produce. We had the best of food, the best of lettuces, the best of tomatoes, the best of everything. What did they do? Cut off the supply of peas. So now that has to be imported. It comes down through the north. It comes from Latvia. It comes down through the north. It has to be brought by boats and, and uh, lorries and, and everything. Transporting, and transporting, yeah, and nobody's yes. talking about the... And, and there's no, nobody talking about that. So this is the type of okay. insanity that's going on here. Okay, I, ju- I, just, I just want to wrap up with some, uh, a lot of people agreeing with you, uh, Michael. Hi, Patricia. I'm extremely careful at home. I hate waste of any kind. And I always try to make the best choices when it comes to the environment. But I can't help but agree with everything that Deputy Michael Healy Ray is saying this morning. It feels at times like the government are just box ticking. They haven't a clue. And that signed a very annoyed uh, listener. Um, Hi, Patricia. I totally agree with every word that Michael Healy Ray is saying. And yes, people should remember that if Fianna Fáil and it's Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael are pushing these things through along with the Greens. It's not just the Greens that are on their own in government. That's from Michael in Butterwind. And somebody says fair play, spot on to Michael Healy Ray, classic radio. OK, uh, we leave it there because it's an issue, as I say, it's not going to go away because uh, the minister bringing this memo and it's going to trigger a year long process. So we'll wait, we'll wait to see what the process, how the process unfolds. And Patricia, can I just say one final word? And I promise I will be very brief. There's a cold spell where they're supposed to come. Yeah. Can I ask your constituents and the people in your area that and anybody that's listening to this, if you're cold, get coal, get timber, get bales of briquettes, if, try not to get it from Germany if you can, and pile up your fire and make yourself nice and warm and do put down a cozy fire. And do put smoke out of your house if you need it to keep yourself warm. Because remember, you must protect yourself from the cold. And don't mind listening to people who have very fairy ideas and who don't actually realise that people must live and sustain themselves. OK, keep yourself safe from hypothermia is the message. OK, Michael, we leave it there. Thank you for that. And uh, Thank thanks you. for joining us on the programme. That is Kerry Independent Doll Deputy uh, Michael Healy Ray. have to say I was thrilled to see Castletown Roach native and well-known Irish independent photographer Mark Condren winning the Press Photographer of the Year Award last Friday for a record sixth time. Delighted to say Mark Condren uh, joins us uh, this morning. Congratulations to you, Mark. Thanks a million, Patricia. Yeah. Uh, is is every award as important as the previous one? Absolutely, yeah. And the older I get, I suppose the the more enjoyable they are. Like I never, I never once took them for granted. But certainly, as I move on um, in the years, I definitely don't take them for granted. Yeah, because they're very hard to win, Patricia. Like there's a massive competition out there, and it's also. Um, the whole of Ireland. So you've, uh, even though I don't really go into the north, it, the north is covered as well in the competition because um, we have the Belfast Telegraph up there, so they cover all that side of it. So the competition for me is massive, yeah. And we have some brilliant press photographers in this country. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, the greatest out there, yeah. And plenty of photographers winning World Press Awards through the years here. And, yeah, the competition. So the competition is huge on it, yeah. Now, you, you won the overall award for a photograph um, entitled Worn Out. Tell me about the woman in that picture. Yeah, so that was a lady in Somalia. Um, I was over with... Um, I was over in Somalia with... Um, 
the a great corkman too done it called callahan and he's a unicef ambassador so we were on board with unicef and we kind of support unicef for children and so we were over in somalia just before christmas and i was in one of the displacement camps over there and oh like just obviously thousands of people in these camps and i just saw this lady and i just went wow and I just, what a portrait. It was just incredible, the face, it, like, as you can, I know it's hard to describe on radio, but if you see the photograph, she had an incredible face and an incredible mm. portrait. And that's, I suppose, what got me over the line um, uh, to get into the, to get in. So you, if, you get, if, you get out, if you get out of the pool, as they say, then you're kind of judged for your, your work through the year covering all major news stories. And that's the yeah. photograph that got me out. And, and, and every line in her face um, tells the story. Did, did you get to find out much about her backstory, uh, Mark? No, unfortunately, Patricia, not. Because the problem is, is these people, they're, they're coming from really, really rural Somalia, right? So they're walking, they're walking hundreds of miles. And unfortunately, like, obviously, all their crops have died and there's a big problem out there. All their animals have, have uh, sorry, their crops have failed. The animals have died. So they're all moving into the into the bigger towns um, for help. So no is the answer to that because most of them don't even know their age. God help them. God help them. Mm. And, um, and of course, a picture paints a thousand words. And, and when you look at that picture, it, it, you just stop de- de- dead, in, dead in your tracks. And your photos in particular, I think, are always so uh, moving. Uh, another one that was included this year, the, the children at Ashleen Murphy's mm. funeral. Yeah, Talk to me about covering the, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, sorry, cutting across, Patricia. Yeah, so um, Ashleen Murphy the girl that was murdered down in Offaly and I suppose it was her funeral, the morning of her funeral and of course we have to cover all different sides of it so there would have been a lot of photographers and all the other media, television they would have been covering the funeral side of it the church side of it so I was covering the school side of it because she was going to be passing the school kids, her former school and I suppose I was there earlier and then, like, as you can, again, just see the photograph, the reaction on the kids' faces, like, when they came out with their little flowers holding them, there was a different feeling and, and they were going through different thoughts, obviously, and then when it just came to the time when she was coming up the road and and that hearse was about 100 yards away and they could just see it in the distance and then you can just see the reactions of the faces. It was just a different photograph mm. altogether. And you, your dad yourself, has the way you've worked photographing children changed since you became a dad? Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Because you understand them, don't you? It's like, it's like any parent, you understand your kids and you understand them at different ages. And it, like, so we'll say those kids around that time would have been my daughter's, Emma's age. And you can just, you can feel that pain, you know, like there's... There's a pain there, you, and you often think of that. Imagine if that was my kid there. Um, yeah. It is like it's it's tough, and you do feel that. Yeah, absolutely, you do feel that. And uh, and and, say, and that's that's in a lot of stories, like in 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 all different stories I do. Like we do, I suppose it's very hard in press photography to find a middle ground that's really very high or very low. So when you're doing those stories that are very low, your family do come into it, and you think of all that. Yeah. You had to go to Chrysler last um, October when that devastating explosion happened. How, yeah. how do you prepare yourself going to something like that? You don't. You just literally, you have a couple of hours to prepare. So that, that morning, or that, the morning of that, 
it, it'll just tell you in our job in, in, in news how, how fast it changes. I was in Dundalk doing a job, then I was sent down to Offaly to do another job. I was coming back up by Lucan, and next thing was straight to Creeslock and Donegal. I got up there about nine o'clock at night. So that's how fast our job changes. You could be anywhere at any given time. And then you're trying to balance taking photographs without invading anybody's privacy. Absolutely. And that's very important. And I think that's kind of helps me as well Is like you're not getting too close. Um, I'm just recording the history of it from from a distance. And that photograph from Creeshlock, um with the guards um, consoling that woman going going up to the up to the site. Um, yeah, you can just you, you, you stand back and you just see what's uh, you, you just record what's in front of you. And it's and that, that, sorry for that. Like you can like you can see the you see you can see the way the 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 community came together there. Even the local guards hugging that girl. Yeah. Coming up um up 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 to the site like it was it was it was incredible. And I could see that coming actually. I could see that coming about twenty yards away. And then you're preparing for yourself. And then you just step back. And then that it just you just let it happen and you record it. And it's the it's what I think came out of it was the humanity of the guards. The guards have a tough enough job to do, but it was their humanity I think came out in in any of those photographs. And of course, the guards are very, guards you are very close to your heart. I mean, you did you did the book, and you also did the one on the NYPD, didn't you? The cops in in America. I did. Yeah, yeah. I, I done the guards one. I had great fun doing the NYPD one as well. Yeah, that was a bit of a. A roller coaster that was about three years ago now. So on the back of the Garda book, I, um, the NYPD, who are obviously a very tight um, police force, it's very hard to get in with them. And I spent two years over and back to New York, hanging out with them and covering all aspects of them. Yeah, it was good fun. Yeah, and there is, uh, my dad was a my dad was a sergeant in Castletown Roach for about thirty years. My wife is stationed in in Dublin. Um, and yeah, so they're. They're, it's quite, quite, quite close to me, the guards. Yeah, so I understand that too. I yeah. can, I can see, like I can see, really see the human side of them. And if you look at that photograph up in Creeslock, I you can see, you can see, I can see what's going to happen. Yeah, and you could see that his the guard's heart was breaking as well, and he's trying to be strong for this for this woman. It's, a, it's an incredible picture. Now you went to Ukraine. Was that in the very early days of the Russian invasion, Mark? When you went to Ukraine. Yeah, so when the story broke first, I was um, I was sent straight out to um, kind of Medica, the uh, the Polish-Ukraine border, um, getting them all coming across, the, the millions of people coming across, and that was amazing. Like in, in to, like as you say, like documentary in history, that was the most historic thing I would have ever done in my career, and I, I would imagine will be. Um, covering a war like that. So, yeah, so I went over to Medik on the border. That's where the main um, bulk of them were coming through. And I travel, I did travel up and down, but Medik was the base. And there was millions of them coming across because it would have been the main road out. And there was also a train service out of it. So I covered that for two weeks um, of them coming across, which was very tough, seeing all the kids coming across. Now, that was really hard with kids. It genuinely was. That was tough kids coming over absolutely freezing their mothers freezing their hands frozen and every single one of them coming across with a teddy bear in their hand and i could have asked them any question but they'd always come back with in broken english i left my daddy behind my daddy's going to save ukraine and that was always the answer out of most of them and they're clutching their little teddy bear and frozen so that was that was tough going and after that then a couple of weeks later I went into Bucha, and that was the time of the mass graves in um, in Bucha. So I went in there with Billy Kelleher and Timmy Dooley that time. 
Boucher, I'd say, will stay with you forever, will it? Yeah, Boucher was horrendous. It was desperate, yeah. And I wasn't expecting it, to be honest with you. Um, I didn't think it was going to be that bad until you get there. And then you just really, it really hits you. And it just, with diggers, they were digging a bit of ground very slowly. It was very silent. And then another body would come out. And then they'd go digging again very slowly. And then another body would come out. And it was just, it was just endless. Yeah, I, I, I came across a documentary uh, yesterday called The Body in the Woods. I thought I found it on, on YouTube. It's um, the journalist Belle True. She works with The Independent in, in over yeah. in England. And uh, like that, she was there in the early days of Bucha and went in on this body of this young boy in the woods and she went to try and find out who he was. It's a powerful, powerful documentary. And I was thinking of you because I knew, I knew you were coming on on the programme and just looking at some of the scenes, it's, it really is horrific. Anyway, uh, well done. <laughs> well done. Uh, what are you up to at the moment? I'm sitting in the car here now <laughs> and uh, they kind of kept me free because I was going on with you. Um, and thanks a million again for having us on. It was great. Um, but yeah, I just see what way the day goes now. They're kind of letting me off for a day or two and then I'll get back into it. But uh, I was on a port leash yesterday doing the job, free this morning, and I'm going to head into the office now and see what's going on. But I think uh, with your earlier discussion about the housing, I'm sure we're going to be on that for the day. Yeah, you've, you've got an absolutely amazing uh, talent. Mary, or oh, just this is a very quick one. Mary says, just a, a great memory of Mark Condren from 1998 he was with the Corkman at the time and he covered my mother and Auntie Jones 80th birthday they were twins both in heaven now and it was in the Abbey Hotel in Ballyvorney he was such a gentleman even back then congratulations Mark on all your yeah. achievements since then uh, that's from yeah. Mary and Rathcoon and, and as well as that Patricia like my, this I didn't get to this stage or level without people down at home and around North Cork uh, and, and all over Cork. That's where I started. That's where I got my roots. That's where I learned everything. Covering J socials when I was 16 years of age. My school in St. Coleman's College gave me the opportunity because, as I said before, um, when they brought me back, actually, two of the greatest awards I ever got was my school bringing me back. That was just an amazing achievement for me because um, I wasn't the greatest in school. And my, my, my camera bag like was my school bag. And they let that flow with me. And they were very good to me in school, letting me take photographs since I was about 13 or 14 years of age. And Cork, Cork is where I started. And that's what kind of grounded me. And that's what built me. And do you get back to Castletown Roach much? I, I, not as much as I'd like to because of, obviously, with three kids. Um, it's like between GA every weekend. <laughs> Michelle obviously works two weekends. I work, uh, week, uh, she works two out of every four. I work one weekend out of every, out of every four. And with kids GA and I'm involved in GA as well up here. So it's very hard to get down. But anytime I do get a chance, I do get down. But it's more kind of the summer now. It's kind of a lot harder just to go on. I stay. know, I know. And are the children showing any interest in photography? Not one bit. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, not one bit. All right, okay. We'll let you get back to work, Mark. Pleasure as always. Yeah, yeah, so thank you for that. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, appreciate it. Uh, bye yeah, bye. He's you. such a, a lovely guy that is a uh, well known Irish uh, press photographer of the year. Uh, works with the Irish Independent, but I certainly remember Mark's day uh, days when he was working with the uh, Corkman. I always remember covering a one of the counts. We were at one of the election uh, counts, and he took an incredible photograph of Cathy uh, Crowley, was my producer at the time. Her son, her little son, Oshin, who's now a lovely young man. He was a young boy at the time, and Mark got a great photograph of him of Oshin lying down under the seats where all the people were 
for um, trying to count the votes and it's just and he was having a nap it was an incredible photograph but it's just the eye the eye that Mark had uh, even back then he was he was just brilliant he was always destined for bigger and better so I'm not at all surprised to see him picking up Press Photographer of the Year for the sixth time we can be very proud of our own Mark Condon You're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed. Can I just give you a sample of some of the texts and calls we received in during my interview with uh, Deputy Michael Healy Ray, who is very much bemoaning the memo that the Transport Minister, Eamon Ryan, is going to be bringing to uh, Cabinet. And this is to trigger a year-long process about developing a demand management strategy. And it's all to do with helping us reach our admissions. And a lot is, is targeting motorists, introduction of congestion charges, talking about putting up car parking fees by a whopping 400%. Everything has been done to try to tax motorists and to get us all to stop using our cars. And of course, as Michael Eady Ray was pointing out, that's OK if you live in an area that has a lot of public transport, i.e. if you're living in Dublin City, for example. Uh, I mean, I don't even think in Cork City, you might, you probably would get, get away without, you certainly would get away without using the car all of the time. But if you're living in a rural area, forget about it. You have no choice but to use your car and people just really not happy with Eamon Ryan, leader of the Green Party, but the fact that he is the Transport Minister. Just to give you some of the texts in, um, and Mike, I can't say that, that, some of the comments about Eamon Ryan, by the way, I just can't say for legal reasons, including that one from Mike in uh, Bantry. Somebody says uh, Eamon Ryan is in a great position. It's like the tail wagging the dog. Nicholas says, fantastic conversation on C103 uh, this morning. What a straight talking informed man, Deputy Michael Healy Ray is. Well done to him. It should be broadcast nationally and internationally internationally. Honestly, it is just so refreshing to listen to it. Best regards. That's from Nicola. Thank you. And Nicola John says Eamon Ryan is the wrong person to have been put in as Minister for Transport and he is there. If the government survives, he's there until 2025. Pat says Patricia, the country will be better off without Eamon Ryan and the Greens supporting the government. Martin Infamoy says Patricia, is Eamon Ryan tuned into life at all? Who the hell does he think he is? I'm sick of all these so-called do-gooders who Make decisions for us common folk, even though these decisions at times are stupid and ridiculous. Uh, He needs a reality check and I can't get into the end of what you're saying on your text, uh, Martin, even though I think a lot of people will agree with you, but thank you for that. Um, This is from Anne. Fair play to Michael Healyway on your programme today. He is right. Imagine briguettes are being brought in from Germany and we're not allowed to burn our own turf or timber here. Eamon Ryan should be voted out. He hasn't a clue. Public transport is not going to take you home at one o'clock in the morning. Yeah, and that's that would even be for, for Dublin as well. We don't have late night uh, transport. Hi, Patricia. Deputy Michael Healy Ray is spot on. Uh, people go on about politicians, but wait and see if there was an election in the morning. They just go and vote in the same people again. And Theresa in Canturk says, well done to Deputy Michael Healy Ray Boulibus. Uh, some of your texts in and some of your calls then into John Paul. Uh, Timmy in Mallow says, I agree. You cannot compare us to London. Everyone would use public transport if it was available to it, but it's not. My son, for example, lives in Dublin and he readily admits he uses the Lewis uh, daily and he doesn't use his car that often. 
But what about us here in Mallow? We have no choice. When we can use buses and trains, we certainly do. But the real, the only real option for me is if I want to take the train to Cork or to Dublin. But for example, if I want to travel to Kenturk or anywhere else in North Cork, uh, the bus times don't always suit. You need to meet the demand of the consumer. Davy in Douglas says, I began using the public bus service at the start of this year decided to give up the car and see how would I get on jumping on the bus every day but the amount of buses that didn't show up or got cancelled at the last minute it caused me too many delays going to and from work so I simply stopped and went back to using my car to drive to and from work I couldn't keep going into my boss and saying sorry I'm late again the bus either didn't show up or it got cancelled the transport minister needs to sort this out first before there can be any suggestions that we start uh, moving into public transport. And Marie in Carrigaline says Michael Healy Ray should be fighting for the rural link to connect more towns in his area. Why is he not fighting for this or extending bus car- bus corridors? All he seems to do any time I hear him speak is knock every single other party in the door. He needs to be doing more. 0818 103 103. That's just a sample of cause and texts. Uh, most people just not happy with the Greens in government, but certainly not happy with Eamon Ryan. And actually, the opinion poll that was out at the weekend was at the Sunday Independent Ipsos opinion poll where, you know, the state of the parties and actually Holly Kearns, Social Democrats, doing extremely well in the first opinion poll where she was a leader. The Social Democrats themselves doubled, I think, since the previous uh, opinion poll in their support. But I thought it was interesting when you looked at the leaders, they asked anybody taking part in the opinion poll, their views on the leaders of all of the different parties. And Holly Kearns did really really well for somebody who's just a new leader of the party but bottom of the pile of all of the leaders of all of the parties came no surprise I think to many Eamon Ryan had the least satisfaction of the people who were interviewed by that opinion poll and as I say I don't think many people would be surprised uh, to hear that not everybody happy uh, with with him and some of the things he comes out with 0818 103 103 now on a completely different topic is there a name on there sir is Anne-Marie thank you Anne-Marie for this WhatsApp hi Patricia great show Thank you. Uh, You mentioned earlier foreign languages being taught in primary schools. I worked in the UK and one of my colleagues spoke six different languages. She was from Copenhagen and showed me all of her friends could speak multiple languages. I quizzed her about it. They actually didn't learn them at school. She said they learned them from watching multi-channel TV in different languages. She told me that when popular cartoons and films were in another language, the children would simply sit down and watch them and they learned the language and they learned it willingly at the time. Maybe we should try this too by including some great French or German cartoons within our children's TV daily schedule. I think that we should share best practice from our European neighbours. Instead of making another grinding approach to new language learning we should embrace media when encouraging children to learn a new vocabulary or grammar. If they want to understand the cartoon story then they need to learn the language. Is it not worth a try? The approach certainly worked for my friend from Copenhagen, uh, so says Anne-Marie but I guarantee you Anne-Marie if you went back to your friend in Copenhagen she possibly had another language and then of course took to starting to watch the languages in the cartoons in different languages and picked it up because you will find that anybody who speaks multiple languages they will all say to you that once you learn another language outside of your native tongue everybody tells you it's easier then to pick up other languages but certainly it's an approach that if it works and if if it's working in European countries why can't it uh, work here and just on that whole uh, whole topic 
of primary uh, school children being taught foreign language from third class onwards. Uh, it's one of the ones, it's, it's one of the things that's under consideration. Uh, and also um, schools are going to be given the freedom to reduce religious learning. It's been described as sweeping reforms proposed for the curriculum in primary schools. Now it's details of the first major overhaul of the primary school curriculum in some 25 years and it's going to be brought to the Cabinet today by the Education Minister Norma Foley who, you know, is a teacher herself so she's been in the classroom so she knows how the curriculum works, what works and what doesn't work. And they're saying that this major overhaul will be a move towards fact-based subjects such as science and maths but at the same time obviously they have to in order to allow more time for science and maths some subject has to suffer so the idea is going to be there will be a reduced emphasis on religion increased focus will be placed on pupils well-being now that's obviously amid concerns about a high level rising levels of anxiety and mental health issues and then there will be what they're calling flexibility time will be set aside each week which would be for projects outside of the core subjects the new curriculum framework has been drafted by the National Council of Curriculum and Assessment and expected to go to public consultation pending government approval. So it's not just going to be introduced. Parents certainly will be able to have their say. There will be more time dedicated to the arts, more time dedicated to social and environmental education and the National Curriculum and uh, Assessment Um, the NCCA they're aiming to roll out the new curriculum by 2026 but a government source stressed that the plan is currently in its very very early stages because you are going to have some people who are going to be upset at the notion that while while everyone will accept we need to put more into the sciences and more into the maths you will have some people who will be upset to hear there's going to be less time spent on religion. It had previously been proposed that the new primary school framework would introduce seven key components for students. Now, they will include uh, creative, digital learning, being mathematical, fostering well-being and also being an active citizen. But that those plans now have all been altered and the new plan sees teaching of religious, ethical and multi-belief values allocated one hour and 40 minutes per week with the school patrons being allowed to give a maximum of two hours a week. Now at the moment the maximum for religious education is two and a half hours so it's going to be reduced on on average to one hour 40 but it can go to two hours but it certainly will be reduced from what it is at the moment. And the Higher Education Minister Simon Harris he's stressing that fact-based learning will take precedence over religion and he said saying no school patrons will be able to override the fact-based discussions and uh, science. He says he very much respects the patronage scheme bearing in mind the majority of our is it 90% of our primary schools are under the Catholic Church's ethos. Anyway, he says he respects the patronage system that we have in place in relation to our schools but he says and I quote, I do believe when it comes to fact-based discussions in science no country uh, should be able to override that. And of course, as part of the broader education of of pupils, the Taoiseach and the Taunashta have both backed the inclusion of transgender identity issues to be part of the new primary school curriculum. I take it people are very much aware of this discussion that has been going on. The Taoiseach Leo Varadkar said that trans, transgender people exist. They exist in our communities. So he said it makes sense in schools to inform children about the world around them. And he said a parental opt-out should be considered 
the Tónis de Miho Martin. Meanwhile, he has actually been critical of the stance that was taken this week by the Catholic Primary Schools Management Association because they have come out uh, before it's ever been said that this is part of the curriculum. This is when it's been mooted that they're going to start teaching and talking about transgender within the classroom. They've come out and signalled that they are completely opposed to any inclusion of transgender issues at primary uh, level. The Catholic Primary Schools Management and they provide advice and support for the chairpersons and the principals and the board of managements of over 2,800 Catholic schools in this country. They this week wrote to the Education uh, Minister and the Children's Minister Rodrigo Gorman saying that any decision to teach primary school children about transgender people, they say, would be counterproductive, generating unnecessary divisions in school communities where none currently exist. So there's going to be a long, long debate, I think, before we have the inclusion of transgender identity issues uh, being discussed as part of the primary school curriculum. 0818 103 103. Your thoughts welcomed. You can text, you can WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. Ward personnel, they've got vacancies for construction general operatives. You need to call 021-233-9120. Clannacilty Park Hotel have vacancies for a bar person. They're also looking for a kitchen porter. CVs please to mcarolyn at clannaciltyparkhotel.ie. Walsh Heating and Cooling, they've got vacancies for an electrician and refrigeration engineer. CVs to info at Walsh Heating and Cooling Limited.com. And production staff are wanted for Coolmore Bakery there in West Cork. Email sales at coolmorefoods.ie for further details. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Promoter, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Now the three coalition party leaders met yesterday evening to discuss a possible extension of the eviction ban for those living in private rented accommodation. Adele Conlon is Southern Regional Manager with Threshold and Adele joins me this morning. Good morning to you Adele. Good morning, Patricia. Now, of course, we know the ban on evictions is not to be extended beyond the end of the month. Your initial reaction to the news, Adele? I'm very worried, Patricia, for the next few months for our clients that we're working with. We have um, 329 families with valid notices of termination who are going to have to vacate in the next, from March to June. Um, very worrying. For, for all of our clients and, and, and tenants in the Cork area. Were you surprised by the decision? The mood music sounded like they were going to extend the ban. Yeah, I think there was, there was kind of mixed um, opinions on it. Um, you know, I think, to be fair, um, we know it's, it's not a long-term solution, um, but we are going to see unprecedented numbers of, of adults and children who are going to become homeless in, in the next few months. We're already close to 12,000 homeless people in the country, uh, close to 600 in, in the Cork area. Um, and we're hitting a time from Paddy's Day onwards, you know, the tourism industry now will kick off. Um, there's going to be huge competition for hotel rooms. And local authorities are already struggling to find emergency accommodation 
uh, some local authorities. Um, so it, it's really worrying where these people are going to go. Um, and, you know, they just... And I suppose that the annoying part is we're here the, the, the 7th of March. The ban is being lifted on the 31st. It came into play at the end of October. And they're only looking at the solutions now. You know, it's too late, you know. Um, so that's very disappointing. Yeah, and you're saying you, you know of 300 and, and, and that's, you say 329, that's that you know of. That, that we have, know of. That have exactly. a valid uh, notice to quit. So that number here in, in across Cork City and County could even be higher. Oh, oh, without a doubt, it's higher um, because some people aren't aware of thresholds, so they don't know where they're to support them. Um, some people will just bury their head in the sand and hope that the problem goes away, which, you know, is is understandable too because it's such um, a difficult situation. And then there, there are others um, who, you know, maybe just go and, and, and leave the property. But the wor- we would worry that people would leave properties not having their notices checked because 50% of the notices that come to us are not. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. It's valid. So people do not have to leave it unless they have been issued with a valid notice. So really important that anyone listening this morning comes to us with their notice and get that checked in, in the first instance. And of those ones that you know are valid, how soon will they have to vacate the property? So it depends when they were issued with the notice and how long they're living in the property. So there was legislation brought in in October and it's deferring notices. So it's just deferring 
their um, their termination date. So it'll vary between the end of March, the 31st of March and the end of June. So people will be uh, required to vacate on different dates. So it's a very individual thing. Um, again, um, people should really get advice around that as well. Um, but what we do know is, is that there is an influx coming of um, notices of termination. Um, so it, it, it's very concerning. Um I mean, solutions, you know, there is a tenant institute purchase scheme that the, the government have introduced, but feedback from that was that the guidelines were not clear when they were issued to local authorities. Um, so we need to see clear guidelines issued to local authorities in order for that scheme to work. And also that scheme is only available to half tenants, so people on the housing assistance payment scheme. So we need to see that extended to all tenants because... All tenants are struggling now in the private rented sector with huge rents. Um, the average rent in the country is now over 1,700. In Cork City, it's 1,768. In Cork County, it's 1,327. And one of the solutions the government that, that is going around in the media this morning is that maybe tenants will be given an offer to purchase the property should the landlord yeah, want to sell it. They're saying first right of refusal on the yes. sale of a house. It's it's legislation that actually they're they're copying it from France. It works in, in France. Yeah. Which which is fine if a tenants can afford that. Yeah. But we all know that people are struggling to pay these rents. And how can anyone save for a deposit if they're paying seventeen hundred euros on rent? Impossible. You would want a huge, huge salary, you know, and um, that, like, that's just not, you know, it's, it's not realistic. People won't be able to, to, to do that. Now, they are looking at maybe get, getting um, the next offer would be to an approved housing body to purchase in order for the tenant to remain in situ, which, you know, would be good um, to, to see. Um, also, like, we have loads of local authority properties vacant because it's taking local authorities nearly one year to bring a property back on stream. Like, that's ridiculous. Um, so, again, more resources needed there. Um, increase the, the, the local authority targets to bring the vacant homes back into use. Um, and also, I suppose, to resource the RTP to, to actively engage with landlords who are seeking to... Um, you know, to, to issue notice of termination and see can that eviction be prevented uh, where possible. Um, so there are solution, quick solutions available there, you know. Yeah, um, but as you say, they should have been working on these absolutely. quick solutions since since last October. And nothing really, when the, you know, when the eviction ban uh, was brought in, it was because homeless services were under so much pressure. They're still under the same amount of pressure. Nothing has changed between nothing October changed. and the end of March. Absolutely nothing has changed, Patricia. It's only deferred the problem. That's all this has done. Like the, the eviction ban was supposed to be a breathing space for the government to look at solutions and put schemes and resources into play. Into, in, into play. There has been nothing happened. Nothing, absolutely nothing. Only that people have had to deal with this pressure and worry for longer, you know, and it's just not fair. And when you're dealing with some of those families who, as you say, do have a valid notice to quit, so they are going to have to have to leave. um, I'm assuming that um, 
some or many of them will have children because I saw the, the, the Ombudsman for Children, you know, Niall Mundoon the more, this morning saying how concerned he is about the decision on the eviction ban and obviously he's thinking from it from the children's point of view. Are, are many of them, do many of them have children? A lot would do. Um, oh I don't have God. the figure in front of me, but, um, you know, it's the majority uh, would would have, um, you know, and that is worrying. I mean, if you have a child or your family, you know, set up in a, in a community, in a school, they're playing in the local GAA, you know, to have to look at moving, because there's nothing available Our, to rent. There is nothing. Like, I had a look this morning. There is nothing in Blackpool. There is nothing in Gornabrata. There is nothing in Nakhnehini. There was one four-bed property in Toker for 2,800. There is nothing in McCroom. There was one property in Middleton. It was a five-bed house for 3,900. One property in Bandon, 1,300. There is just nothing out there. So um, I just don't know where the government think these people are going to go. Because I take it that all of those people who, who had the valid notice, they just got a bit of breathing space. And like I, I saw one woman with uh, three young boys saying that the roof stayed over their head for Christmas, but she has a, a, also a valid notice to quit and knows that she's going to have to leave. But, and, and, but I assume they've all, all of those families, all of those individuals are on a daily basis, have been looking and searching locally to see if anything has become available. Absolutely. People are on Facebook pages begging for, you know, to be considered for properties, you know, and and I would encourage people to let their family and friends know they're in that situation, although it might be difficult. But a lot of the time, that's how people find properties is true word of mouth, you know, and people are not alone. You're not alone here. There are thousands of people in the same situation in this country at the moment. So don't be ashamed in any way whatsoever. It is not their fault. The government have failed people having to live in the private rented sector. There is no shame in it. So please, you know, confide in your friends and family because that is how a lot of people find property. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's, so, really, it's, yeah it's, it's, it's just so cruel. It's just so cruel. And, and I'm thinking as well, emergency accommodation for people who do end up having to leave. I mean, it, it, emergency accommodation, I'm assuming, is still packed to the rafters is that there isn't available emergency accommodation yeah it's because from Paddy's day on it it just gets harder and harder to source emergency accommodation for local authorities in the city here we do have you know we do have house we have St Vincent's with the Simon community there are um, hostels available for people um, and some people find it very difficult to, to to face that, having to go into these hostels and hubs. Um, if they're full, it's into hotels um, that people will have to go and try and raise their family, maybe in one or two hotel rooms. Um, I know in Kerry, you know, it, it is hard in Kerry and West Cork to find emergency accommodation because it is the hotels and BBs that they have to, that they are required to use in a lot of cases because the facilities wouldn't be as good in, in areas like that because homelessness really wasn't an issue in West Cork or in Kerry, you know, previously. Yeah. But now it's a big issue, you know. And again, there's been no resources put there to build a hostel and build emergency accommodation units, appropriate units. So again, that's an issue um, as well that the government need to look at because this homeless crisis is not going away anytime soon. 
And I, I wonder when, because um, I, I know it's going to be discussed this morning um, within the, the Cabinet, will, will the government offer advice? What, what would be the government's advice to people whose notices of termination are served and they have to leave if they can't rent another property? What, what are they going to tell those people? Where are they going to tell them to go? Well, if, if it ends up in the Residential Tenancies Board, they're going to be issued with a determination order and ordered to vacate. And if they don't, they're withholding. The landlord would be required then to take a case to the RTP. It could end up in court and damages could be awarded against those tenants for not leaving the property when they should have. So, But where, where, <laughs> are the government saying, well, where should they go? Are they, you know what I mean? If there isn't emergency accommodation, I mean, are we going to end up, I'm, I'm particularly thinking of, and, and this is nothing against single people looking for accommodation, but I'm thinking, particularly thinking of families with uh, children. What, do, mm-hmm. do they go to the local guard station to say, can you put us up for the night? We have had instances where people have had to go to the guard stations, yet, yeah. unfortunately. It's very worrying, you know, and this is the thing, this is why they, they should have had a plan in place Come the 31st of March, it should have been very clear, clear guidelines circulated to all local authorities what to do if, you know, if, if someone presents and you can't find emergency accommodation. What's the plan? Where are these families supposed to go? But there is nothing being done. There is no advice being given. People are being left in the dark. Now, there are going to be announcements this afternoon. We'll see what comes of that. But it's too late. You know, this should have been done November time. Yeah, before we, we come to this date of the 31st of March. And just by the way, Dale, have you sympathy for landlords who want to move back into their properties? And, you know, I know there's been um, stories of some of themselves yeah. are, are, are homeless and, you know, they want to go back into their properties. Have you have you sympathy for those landlords? Absolutely, yeah. we do. Threshold support landlords in, 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 in that uh, case. And, um, you know, people, you know, landlords come across tough times too. You know, they they might struggle um, economically. They might, you know, there might be relationship breakup as well in, in, in their families, and they should be able to access their properties. So the government has failed them as well. You know, um, and and I think that might be something that they look at that that if landlords need to access their properties um, to live in themselves, or if a family never member needs to live in them, that they would be able to apply to the residential tenancies board in order to do that. So we would support that, you know. Um, but if it's a pension fund or, you know, some kind of investment owning the property or something like that, then that's a different story. But, you know, yeah, absolutely, landlords need to be able to access the property in, in scenarios like that. Okay. All right. Listen, uh, Adele, thank you for that. And uh, just to remind listeners, the number of threshold of people need to contact you? So it's 1800 454 and we also have a web chat facility on our website, www.threshold.ie. OK, and please make contact with uh, Threshold if you have been given uh, a notice to quit your property. Uh, thank you for that, Adele. We'll speak again, but uh, thanks for joining us this morning. No problem, thanks. Good Richard. morning, Shia. Bye-bye. Uh, she, uh, it's Adele Con- Conlon, who is the Southern Regional Manager with uh, Threshold. And really, my heart goes out to, I mean, as Adele said, she... The, within Threshold in Cork they know of 329 uh, people who now will be homeless uh, in the coming 
weeks and uh, months and then you add to that there would be others as well who already have a notice to quit and there's just no available rental properties. 0818 your heart would just go out to those families 0818 103 103 John Paul's taking calls text WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Court today on C103 with Corrigan Insurance's McCroom now part of McCarthy Insurance Group they don't just talk the talk they walk the walk cmig.ie Court today on C103 Call Patricia with your comment 0818 103 103 Now we had a very cold night last night and it certainly feels like winter is not behind us if you're out and about today so to see how the rest of the week will pan out. I'm joined by uh, Alan O'Reilly of uh, Carlo Weather. Good morning to you, Alan. Good morning, Patricia. And I hope you're wrapped up nice and warm. Okay, firstly, can you explain to us what is causing this very cold snap that we're having for the first week in March? Yes, well, March of many weathers can bring us a cold snap. Um, This one is linked to the sudden stratospheric warming that there was a lot of talk about two weeks ago. Um, but it doesn't always bring a beast from the east and it's not bringing a beast from the east this time but it is bringing us much colder air down from the north so we have a cold few days ahead however we also have some low pressure systems moving up from the south that's going to introduce moisture and where the two of those meet we will have some wintry falls so Met Aaron actually in the last half an hour or so have issued a new yellow snow ice warning for Cork and Kerry for tonight, from midnight tonight until noon tomorrow, Wednesday. Um, and they're, they're saying it's for patchy sleet or snow overnight Wednesday morning with potential for hazardous conditions on some roads and footpaths. The problem, Patricia, is, is that tonight there is going to be a, a band of rain that's going to push up. It's going to fall asleep and snow where it hits inland for a time. Now, depending on how far up it comes, depends on where it falls, but it also depends on where it turns to rain. So the very latest weather models that I've just looked at before I came on, which you showed the sleet and snow a little bit further into much of County Cork, but possibly turn into rain in long near the coast and near the city. Um, so it's a very tricky forecast. It's a very messy 48 hours ahead. But be aware if you're commuting in the morning um, that there could be some sleet and snow, higher ground especially, so any roads that are on higher terrain, um, especially in West Cork, could could see, have some lying snow. And then, once we get over that, Patricia, we have more showers pushing in on Wednesday. Now, the detail there is really uncertain. So I don't know if you noticed or you watched the 9 o'clock weather last night after the news, but Met Aaron didn't go beyond Wednesday. On the I, I did notice that, and then I saw you tweet about it as, as well. That was unusual, wasn't it? It was. Now, to be fair to them, it's probably because they're, they're afraid to call it either way. But what I like to try and do is give people what might happen and then at least they're aware of what could happen. Yeah. So the, the issue is, is that we have another heavier band of rain that's going to push up Wednesday night into Thursday. Now, this is a much heavier band. It's likely to fall as sleet and snow for a time, um, especially on higher grounds in parts of Cork, especially West Cork, but then turn to rain probably for Cork um, and for southern areas, but falling as sleet and snow uh, further north. So if you have any listeners that are driving for a living or heading up the country on Thursday or Friday, they need to keep a very close eye on weather forecast because there is a risk of some significant snowfall 
from kind of they draw a line from Galway to Dun- to Dublin, and anything north of that line between Galway and Dublin has a risk of having some very heavy snow for a time on Thursday into Friday. And then the weekend is it? Is, will it finally be over as we head into the weekend? Well. Is- Funnily enough, it'll be milder with the rain on Thursday in Cork, but Friday we'll actually see the cold weather return a little bit, and there's a risk of some more wintry showers on Friday. Saturday does look like it will turn milder, and also for Sunday, um, a risk of some showers, but maybe some nice sunny afternoon on Saturday, um, and showers on Sunday, but milder, um, but there could be some heavy showers. So. It, it does look like, it's funny, that the confidence in the weather forecast and models is higher for the weekend than it is for Thursday or Friday. <laughs> That's so, crazy. That, that doesn't often happen. Is, <laughs> no, we're able to tell you what it is like four or five days ahead, but not two or three days. Yeah. Do you, and do, do you feel this will be the last Arctic blast of, for this winter or is that too early? Is it impossible to predict that? It's too early to say, and some of the weather models had been hinting at cold possibly returning just before St. Patrick's Day. Um, and as we all know from childhood memories, we can have the sunglasses and the shorts on for St. Patrick's Day, or we can have the coats and the hats on and mm. scarf. So wait and see for that one. But um, March of many weathers can often kind of do do that where it, it kind of gives us a bit of both and we can get blast of cold weather into April and the gardeners especially I was warning the gardeners last week on Twitter we had some very nice dry settled and warm weather in February don't get ahead of yourselves we can still see the frost like we're going to tonight and tomorrow night so um, just be a little bit patient because we could see colder weather return Well they say what is the old wife's tale about March in like a lion out like a lamb and that often does happen it does, it does, yeah. And and very often the old folklore would say you'd much rather come in like a lime and out like a lamb rather than the other way around. So, <laughs> you know, maybe maybe that will happen. Maybe yeah. That will happen and it place. was it was I'm right in saying, Alan, it was around this time of year that we got that beast from the east, wasn't it? Wasn't that March? Yeah, this time this time five years ago. Five years it, ago. We were still clo- still clearing snow from some of the really badly hit places. Um it was a couple of days ago this time five years ago, but we actually did have another planet around St. Patrick's Day at that time as well. Um, so, yeah, we, we we have seen cold spells in March. It's not that unusual. It's not a beast from the east. It's a cold northerly plunge. The problem is these systems coming up and meeting that cold just present the, rather than cold and dry, which I think we can all, you know, handle and, and it's not a problem. It's when you add in that rain, sleet and snow mix that makes things a little bit tricky for those commuting. And I, I don't know if you've been covering it, you probably have, but our, our neighbours in the UK, they're getting even colder weather, aren't they, than what we're getting? Yeah, well, the, certainly northern parts of um, of the UK, it's like Shetland has had a lot of snow already um, and some significant uh, cold temperatures there. They, funnily enough, are also watching these low-pressure systems because when they skirt the uh, the car coast, they're then heading for uh, parts of England and Wales. Um, and again, on Thursday and Friday, once that system moves away from, from Morse, it heads there. So they're having similar problems. But very interesting, the UK Met Office had weather warnings out as far as Friday since yesterday. Um, so they, they, they've had fairly good confidence that there's going to be some impact from this. Um, and if anybody is flying to England, uh, keep an eye on your flights as well, because there is a risk of some heavy snowfall hitting there at times as well. Not everywhere. Again, it'll be a rain, sleet, snow mix. But uh, yeah, some of the weather models show south of England getting some very heavy snow actually um, tomorrow. 
and then further north on Thursday and Friday. Okay, and if yeah, because that can cause flight cancellations, uh, etc. I saw something online last week that we could be in for a very hot summer. I think it was one of these, the La Nina or the El Nina. Um, is that just yeah. pure speculation, Alan, at this stage? Well, it it can drive higher temperatures in overall terms, but in terms of Irish, um, it doesn't impact our weather greatly directly. But what it can do is it can make uh, hot weather a little bit hotter. So if we get a, a heat wave, it could make it um, that we see record temperatures again. Now, with the way that the last few years have been going with climate change and everything, that's probably likely. But this kind of in- increases that risk even higher. So it doesn't mean we're going to get a nice summer and lots of hot weather. But it does mean that if we do see hot weather, it could be one or two degrees hotter than what we normally see. Yeah, because we had one really scorching week during the summer where it was just it felt like you were in Mediterranean Island the weather the weather was so uh, hot uh, OK but we have just to recap on that then for tonight there is a snow and ice warning for Cork and Kerry Yes from tonight until midday tomorrow so tomorrow morning especially tricky with a risk of some falling snow and sleet for a time OK when you're driving the children to school or getting yourself uh, to work and just very finally um, Alan um, I saw on your I think it was on your Twitter feed you managed to get some gorgeous picture of the Northern Lights last week Wait, did you take those in Carlo? I did I did it was a bit of a shock I had forecast that there was a chance of seeing them and I've done that on a few occasions and I live in the countryside with very little light pollution and I threw up the drone and I did a long exposure and I was in shock when I looked at the screen on my phone to see what I managed to capture. And then I ran upstairs and pointed my iPhone out the window and I could even see it on my iPhone. Um, so it was it was a very unique experience. Um, and then I spent eight hours driving the following night to drive up to um, the Giants Causeway in Dun- in Northern Ireland. And I saw not any cloud. Pictures. Oh so, um, no! Oh, no. Yeah. yeah, because the, because the the pictures that first night that you got them, the the, the photographs out of Donegal were just they were amazing. Yeah, there were, and I talked to a few people that, like, I mean, you could see it with the naked eye up there because down here you could only really see it with the long exposure on the camera. You could very faintly see it with your eyes, but I mean, they were looking at it with their naked eyes, and it's very rare to get it that strong. Um, but unfortunately the cloud cover just spoiled it the next night but March is a good month for them so if it's on on somebody's bucket list keep an eye on it because it can come back and Donegal always one of the best places to, to witness them the furthest north, the better. Yeah. yeah. So really, the, the further north you can get, the better. Hence, they're called the Northern Lights, as you. OK, listen, Alan, a pleasure as always to talk to you. Thank you for that and thanks for joining us. All right, take care. Good morning to you. That is uh, Alan O'Reilly of uh, Carlo uh, Weather uh, with a prediction of very, very cold weather for tonight and tomorrow night. But it's the potentially hazardous driving conditions and the footpaths tomorrow are could be quite lethal as well. So please be extremely careful. And if you have to make journeys, if you could avoid making them until after 12 midday tomorrow, that's what I'd be suggesting that you do. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. On housing and the eviction ban that we spoke about in the last hour when we were talking about at Threshold and the worrying concerns for people now who will be forced to vacate their properties. And it's just, you know, it was at one time if you were asked to leave because the landlord wanted the property back, there was normally a house down the road or in the same housing estates that you could rent. But unfortunately, that is not the uh, case. And I thought Edel uh, Condon of Threshold was really good in talking about possible solutions and what needs to be done and why would the government not be more proactive 
attractive, particularly from when they introduced the eviction ban back in October. Hi, Patricia. I offer the following quote, which speaks volumes. Now, this is in inverted commas, so I don't know where the listener is taking this from or where it actually came from. But it says, in Ireland, after independence, major house building programmes were undertaken. And by 1940, some 41% of housing stock had been built by the state, benefiting a cross-section of the population. By the 1960s, this critical mass of housing provided a foundation for the promotion by the state of a market in housing with supports for mortgage lending, but with minimum regulatory systems. The consequence of this laissez-faire approach led to major price increases in development land and the legacies of that time has significantly affected public perceptions of the integrity of Irish politics to the present day. Amongst all this development, the housing needs of travellers were also included in the Irish housing policy in le- legislated for in the 1980s and God, God knows the travelling community are still battling to get uh, adequate housing. But you're right about the amount of housing. I just didn't know the figure was that high. 41% of all the housing stock was built by the state, state back in the 1940s at a time when we didn't really have a lot of uh, money. But lots of people talk about those you know, council houses that were built, corporation houses that were built of which many of us were raised uh, in and many people still living in those houses. You know, do we need projects like that again? 0818103103. And somebody else says, Patricia, the eviction ban should simply have been left in uh, place. Treat people like you would like to be treated yourself. It is a human right to have shelter for everyone and that includes uh, animals. Greed is an awful sickness and unfortunately we're going to have to wait for the war to stop to get rid of a lot of the greed that is there. Uh, It really is sick. It will end up with the good Samaritan people in this country bringing homeless into their own uh, homes. The good will have to outdo the evil and my message to people is please just be nice but having a huge sympathy for those who face the prospect of losing the roof over their own heads. And then back to Eamon Ryan and what we spoke about earlier with Michael Healy Ray still getting commentary in on this and uh, Eamon Ryan proposing to bring uh, plans to the government for congestion charges and higher car parking fees. Everything been done to try to get people out of their cars. Dan says, Patricia, is it not a contradiction for Eamon Ryan, leader of the Green Party, Transport Minister, to fly to China for St. Patrick's Day festivities, where at present in China, 26 coal-fired power stations are being built as we speak, not to mention the carbon emissions from the plane that Eamon Ryan and his entourage will travel in. The main parties are stuck with him to survive. Uh, we need to roll on the next election, says uh, Dan. And you're not the first to bring up that about the, some people see it as hypocrisy that Eamon Ryan is telling all of us get out of our cars and yet he can go on this trip for St. Patrick's Day to far-flung uh, countries. And I read a really good piece. It was by Senan Maloney. Senan is the political correspondent with the Irish Independent. And after it was announced where Eamon Ryan would be going for St. Patrick's Day and other Green Party members where they would be going to celebrate St. Patrick's Day. And listen, everybody accepts it's good for our politicians to get out and fly the green, the green, white and gold flag and we know what it does for the country and all of that. But it's just a lot of people see the hypocrisy that the Greens are telling us get out of your cars but yet they can get on planes and fly all around the world. So Eamon Ryan is going to fly to Singapore, Hong Kong, Beijing and uh, Shanghai. And what Senator Maloney did was they calculated what would be the carbon footprint of all of those flights. They went 
went on one of those, you know, uh, you can go on those flight carbon calculator uh, websites. So they did. And for the amount of travel that Eamon Ryan will do, it equates to 4.52 metric tonnes of uh, carbon. And a typical passenger car emits roughly that in a full year. So his journey will equate to what a car will do and carbon emissions for the full year. That's based on 11,500 miles and that we know the average car does about 10,500 miles according to the Central Statistics Office. So that's what Eamon Ryan is doing. His one flight will equate to a whole year's worth of carbon emission from your average family uh, car. His colleague then, the Equality Minister, Rodrigo Gorman, he's flying to Delhi and Mumbai in India and then he takes a a plane to Dhaka in Bangladesh. His flight car Carbon will equate to a car mileage of €8,400 for the year. Then the Green Party Tourism Minister, Catherine Martin, she's going to Los Angeles and San Diego. Her equivalent is a low CC's motorbikes annual output. Now, there are other party junior ministers who are also jetting further afield. For example, Pippa Hackett is going to Kenya and Tanzania, while Malcolm Noonan is going to Austria, Slovakia, the Czech Republic and uh, Romania. Joe O'Brien is off to Poland, while Oshin Smith will be visiting Belgium and the Netherlands. So the total, according to Selin Minoli, the total greenhouse gas output by the Green Ministers for St. Patrick's Day Festival approaches four family cars and that's according to the EPA and the flight carbon footprint uh, calculation. Now obviously the Greens themselves are defending it and saying that you know everybody knows why it's so good for the government to be going abroad and you know all of the other parties are doing it so it's it's all it's very important um, and you know they have no other choice but uh, to uh, fly if they want to go to all of these countries but they do say that each minister's department will record the carbon emissions associated with their flights and then they'll pay an amount equivalent to the travel emissions impact into the Climate Action Fund, which provides assistance and financial support to projects which will help Ireland achieve its climate and and energy targets. So they're going to pay back any of the carbon their travel uh, emissions. But yeah, I, I see the point Dan is making and a, a lot of other people would agree as well that it just seems a little bit hypocritical that they're saying to everybody else, get out of your car, get on your bike and walk or go on the bus and yet they can jet out, jet off all around the world. 0818 103 103. Hi Patricia, this is a Kerry listener. Now I wouldn't be a fan of Eamon Rhines, says this Kerry listener. However, Credit now where credit is due. He did introduce Rural Link. It's a fantastic service going up rural roads to collect elderly and vulnerable people. There are no, many of these now are no longer isolated and can actually be more independent. So please give credit where credit is due. And that is from a Kerry uh, listener. And this is from um, Heidi saying, Patricia, Michael Healy Ray is so right in everything he said on your programme today. I do hope people remember this when they're going to the polls to vote. It's TDs that work for us on the issues are the ones we should vote for. We could get rid of Eamon Ryan ASAP out of the government. He is the one who wants us to do as he says 
but he does what he likes. No one should he have, no way should he have got the Transport Ministry's position. Uh, he lives in a world that is out of touch with the rest of us. He's not living in the real world. And that's from Heidi. Uh, Dan says, I would like to know uh, what planet Eamon Ryan is uh, living on because uh, I'd like to live on that island, that land uh, as well, because he seems to be detached from reality because with my ESB bill, my shopping, my heating bills, etc., says Dan in Charleville, barely surviving and finding it hard uh, to uh, keep going. 0818103103. All this waffle about carbon tax. Note that these flights will be going anywhere with or without the Green Party. Not that I'm a fan of them. So ridiculous to talk about the carbon footprint. Yeah, but yet the Green Party will tell all of us that we should be reducing our flights as well as our car uh, journey. So I don't think that argument uh, actually washes. Anyway, lots. Thank you for your text. Lots and lots of people are on still about Eamon Ryan. He is still uh, causing a lot of upset, can I say, for so many people. 0818103103 on a completely different note, I want to wish the very best of luck to everybody involved in St Finbar's Boys National School because they are bringing Strictly Come Dancing back to Bantry for the fifth year and they've got two great shows planned for anybody who's going to go along across the next two weekends. So St Finbar's Boys National School, they've joined forces with the West Cork Jesters and next Saturday is the first of their two live shows for Strictly Come Dancing Bantry. Funds raised this year will be used to build a much needed year-round playing field in the school grounds and that will allow the pupils and the members of the West Cork Jesters to avail of a safe recreational setting. So we want to wish good luck to all of the dancers. I think there's 22 dancers in total. Tickets are already on sale uh, locally and everybody involved just wants to thank all the sponsors, the dancers, everyone that will uh, turn up and support the dancers on the night. As I said, they've been running it for the last five years and very successfully every year they've given money to various charities or they've done something in their own uh, area. It's been, it's a real, real success story. So well done to everybody. Strictly Come Dancing Bantry and as I say, it's on this Saturday and the following Saturday. Uh, text some WhatsApps are available at 0862. 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the county. See corkcoco.ie. Mallow Field Club are presenting the Bally Cotton Job. It's by Tom Mahan. It's on tonight in the Social Services Centre on New Road in Mallow. The club AGM will take place at eight, followed by the lecture at half, pay, half eight. All are welcome. Shambally Moore Bingo, that's on tonight at eight in the local community centre. They've got a jackpot of €1,100. Fomoy Flower and Garden Club are hosting Kevin Begley of Coolwater Garden, County Tipperary, to give a talk and a slideshow tonight in the Adair Hall in Fomoy. It's at eight o'clock. Doors will open at half seven. Visitors, €10 and all are very welcome. And Bantry Development and Tourism Association will celebrate International Women's Day tomorrow with a coffee morning and a cake sale from 11am to 1pm. It's in Bantry Tourist Office and proceeds are going to the UNICEF Syria Turkey Appeal. And entries will be taken for Mitchellstown Community Games 
um, tomorrow. Anybody interested in taking part, part needs to contact Seamus on 087 358934. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. This is Cork Today on C103. Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork Today at C103.ie. And make sure you're tuned in to Martina O'Donoghue every day this week. She's got a fantastic competition and she's taking daily qualifiers. And at the end of the week, she's got an overall prize of a two night stay on Saturday and Sunday, March 18th and 19th. So the weekend of St. Patrick's Day in one of the Garden Muse rooms at Lissard Estate. It includes tickets to a special St. Patrick's weekend event on the Saturday Killer performing from three to five in the walled garden. Doesn't that sound wonderful? And that's followed by the Six Nations rugby match. Oh, what a great match that's going to be. Ireland versus England. And there's a barbecue cooked to order by the exclusive uh, chef. Every day this week, Martina's playing a voice of a well-known Irish rugby player. You simply have to identify it to be in with a chance to qualify. And she'll have a daily qualifier and the top prize given away on uh, Friday. Best of luck with that. Okay, uh, there is is a text in from Mary in Cork City says hi Patricia very disappointed with your programme this morning more populist nonsense from independent all deputy Michael Healy Ray and unfair criticism of the Minister for Transport Eamon Ryan and that's from Mary in Cork City absolutely Mary you are I'm, I'm very sorry that you're disappointed with the programme today but all I, all I am doing is reiterating the comments that are coming in from listeners there's a lot of people I have to say Mary who are very very upset uh, with Eamon Ryan and some of the proposals and some of the things that he is uh, suggesting and in particular it's I know you're uh, you're listening to us in Cork City in particular I think a lot of the criticism is coming from people who live in rural areas and that's a very different landscape if you're living in a rural area and you don't have public transport outside your door from somebody who say is living in a city and people feel that Eamon Ryan makes decisions based on city living rather than at rural living. But thank you for your text to 0862103103. Willie is listening to us in Yall. Good afternoon to you, Willie. Good evening, Patricia. And you're on about the Greenway. That's right, yeah. What's wrong with the Greenway? Are you in favour of it? Well, I'd be more in favour of the train coming to y'all. <laughs> okay. There was a there was a train to y'all once upon a time. I went on that train to y'all. Okay. And I went back to Cork up and down that train. I walked that railway track at one occasion. And that that railway track that was left down for the train and it would carry thousands of people every day of the week and to take a lot of cars off of the road. And they're talking about Pollution, this and that. It would take thousands. Now the people are going down walking. How are they going to get back to Cork if they're walking across the yard? There's another car to supply to take them back home. Yeah, and I can't see yeah. the gain of a greenway. I'm very sorry. Yeah, they say it brings a lot of people into the area. It'll bring a lot of tourists into the area. I know there's talks at that moment now of a greenway that's going to stretch from Dungarvan right the way to Mallow. That's going to be quite a lengthy uh, greenway. Uh, I mean, any of the greenways that, that are up and running in areas are hugely beneficial for the people living there. It's a lovely place to walk and whatever. It does bring uh, tourists, but I can see the point you're making with East Cork. The road congestion around East Cork is incredible. A backpacker generally spends very little money. 
he might be standing there as a number. But whatever he puts in his bag in the morning brings him through for the day. And like, I feel that the train would take thousands from Yall to Cork on a daily basis and back. When I travelled in that train a long time ago, it was full every day. And people coming from Cork City to the seaside in the summer, it was full coming back down. There was no congestion in the road with cars. Mm. So I feel the Greenway is a pure waste of money. So you think scrap all the greenways and go yeah. back to looking, go back to looking at these railway lines. And, yeah. and now there is there is a proposal to reopen some of the railway lines. That one, none in Cork, um, I don't think are mentioned because I know the people of West Cork would love to see their railway line back again. And over on Galway, they're talking about it. Up in the north, they're talking uh, about it, about reintroducing railways. So you think serious consideration should be given to it for your area? Every area immediately, because there's lots of things people can do besides walking a greenway. Take for instance, Patricia, half the supermarket shelves are empty today. We have no vegetables. Why? Well, we've no vegetables at the moment, in particular the tomatoes and the peppers and the cucumbers are missing because of bad weather in Spain. Well, we'll. We can leave Spain out of it. Those things can be grown in our own country. Yeah, but not, yeah. At, not at this time of the year. We're depend- Why not? Excuse me. We're depending on other countries to feed us now. Yeah. And we're supposed to be very modern here in Ireland. And I remember growing up, we were self-sufficient all year round. And what we had to do to get messages, put a bag on our back and go to the local shop and take the messages home. Now, there was no pollution as a result of that. But we had to walk to the shop and put a bag in our back and take the bag of messages home. And walk in the snow and the bad weather for miles. Yeah, but we've come on a long way since then. And we've come on as back when we're going. So do you want us back walking to the local shops? There should be a local shop in every village. There should be a local school in every village that would teach people they, don't, they shouldn't have to drive to college. Because we're all learning out of the same book. There's no difference. One and one is still two. And we could learn in every small town. We could have a college in every small town. Instead of that, I know people are driving from Waterford to Dublin every day to college and driving to Cork to college. That should be banned. That shouldn't be, shouldn't be at all. Yeah, but like realistically, um, Willie, how could, how could we afford to have a college in every single town? Why couldn't we? Because of the costs involved in There's it. an awful lot of people doing their, doing their homework now from home with technology. We can afford it. We'll let the small town go because we've got a big idea. Now the small town is sold and the big idea is there and we can't get into it. Yeah, I hate to see when I I know the point you're making on shops. I hate to I see want small shops. Shops. Yeah, yeah, but then in order to get those small shops back, um, Willie. We have, people have to support them. I mean, I remember a man talking to us. I can't remember where. I'm sure he was in the city. Uh, his little shop was closing and a woman was in and saying, oh, I'm you know, so sorry to hear, Paddy, that you're closing up at the weekend. And he said to her, I, I don't see you in here often. And she said, oh, no, I, I, I'd only use it once or twice a year. Yeah, you know what I mean? If, if people don't support, it's the same with the post offices. Use it or lose it. They won't because all the offsprings are going into the city now to go to college. And it's not good enough the small little shop at home we have to go to the shopping centre 
we'll, we'll soon be like America, like 54,000 people to every single shop, every single shop. Yeah, but that's up to individuals to to what to support the shops that they have in their areas. Then, isn't it? By having the school in the local area, by having everything in the local area, well, where I lived, I remember there was a doctor in my area, and he could perform an operation within eight miles of where I lived, and he was a top class doctor, and there was no operation he couldn't do. Now you can't get a hospital around. It should have. It should never have been closed. Mm. It should be left open. Okay. All, right. all those all those places should be kept open. Okay, and I think a lot of people would agree with you. Thank you for that, uh, Willie. Uh, I mean, if we, everyone's bemoaning the fact, particularly in rural areas, when we see uh, so much closing down, we're losing uh, rural Ireland and it'll be too late when people wake up and realise it's all gone. Hi, Patricia, just on, this is from Keane in West Cork on about the Green Party. People are very quick to call the Green Party hypocritical about their plane travel. Yes, they aren't holding Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil, the only parties who have ruled in this country since it was founded to the same standard. This is true hypocrisy. The real problem is politicians hobnobbing as if Ireland was a corporation and not as a country. Arkeen, we get a lot of criticism of Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael as well. It's just, I think, the proposals that Eamon Ryan is introducing as Transport Minister, I think that's why there's a focus uh, on this particular, uh, on, on Eamon Ryan uh, today. Hi Patricia, we want to downsize our uh, property and our son wants to build a very small dwelling on our farm for us now that we're elderly and probably will need care into the future. We were told, don't bother to apply for planning permission. You won't get it as your parents already have adequate housing. What's the sense in that? A property would come on the market and we would be unlikely to need care and be a drain on the state in the future. Uh, sorry, but I have to remain anonymous. I would say uh, apply for the planning uh, permission. I don't see why you would be turned down because you have adequate housing. I mean, you're obviously, you're going to move into a smaller property and your son then will live in the other property. Is is, is that what you're planning on, on doing? And I don't know when you're saying we're, we, we've been told don't bother to apply for planning. That could just be hearsay. Apply and see how you get on. I mean, to me, if you want to move out of the house with your son, I don't know if your son is married and has a family and you want a smaller property, it's on your own land. I can't see why you would be turned down for uh, planning. If anybody else wants to offer advice uh, to that listener, please do 0818 103 103. Hi, Patricia. I agree with Willie, who just joined you there on the Comment Line College and schools can cause huge traffic congestion. This really needs to be addressed. Why can't education be done online? Well, we can't. The reason that education can't be fully done online, certainly in schools, I mean, we proved that during the pandemic, yes, that when needs must, we can do education online. But it isn't good for children not to be in class, sitting with their peers, socialising, you know, if you think if we had a whole generation of young people who were all only educated at home, what kind of a society would we have? Where would they learn to mix and all the other things that go on in school outside of the reading, writing and, you know, the, the three R's, uh, reading, writing and arithmetic? Um, do you know, you, you know the point I'm making that, OK, it worked during the pandemic, but that was just in exceptional circumstances. And it's the same with college education. A lot of young people who go on to college, it's all part of living. It's all part of uh, life. And I know we need to do something about congestion, but I don't think the answer is is to pull to close all of our schools and colleges in the larger cities, in the larger urban centres and have everybody stuck in their bedroom uh, doing their work. I, do, I, I can't see how that will be the uh, solution. This is the 
Court Today replay on C103. Joe Heffernan uh, joins me this afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon, Patricia. Now, I have to say, I have this recorded because I, I didn't get to see it last night and I'm very much looking forward to seeing it this afternoon. This is the RTE Investigates programme last night on RTE. I've read a lot of commentary uh, from it and it is on fake psychologists and the lack of regulation. Were you shocked, having watched it, how easy it was for somebody to set up as a psychologist? Well, to be honest about it, Patricia, I was not because... Um, I had written um, a rather long email to yourselves uh, yesterday um, uh, at about six o'clock. And to tell you the truth, everything that came, well, nearly everything that came up on the programme was already on on that email. Because um, a lot of people would have heard yesterday evening about Koru. No, an awful lot of people also would have no, um, you know, interest in discovering what is this coru. Well, it's Ireland's multi-professional health regulator, and it's responsible for registering and regulating health and social care professionals in Ireland. Um, but amazingly, now, my own organisation, IACP, um, the Irish Association for Counselling and Psychotherapy, are engaged with long, long time with Coru to try and rectify what came up last night as um, uh, a mess, um, uh, an unregulated sector. And um, what I didn't know about was the um, the ease with which one uh, person on the uh, program uh, bought, if you don't mind, um, a fake PhD, a doctorate, um, in a couple of days um, without giving any even real details about himself. Now, that means that the public are not protected. And it transpired with a couple of people who had engaged with um, a fake, uh, or whatever the yeah, fake. proper term is. It's a fake psychologist. It's, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, um, and then it turned out that um, after spending lots of time, lots of money, and, um, you know, a vast amount of hope that the, um, that the uh, assessments that were uh, gained, if that's the word, got at the end of all of that, were refused by the HSE for the services that those uh, young people uh, required. Because the HSE d- wouldn't recognise this. Absolutely. Uh, this. And so yet the, the parents would the, pa- the parents would walk into the office and up on the wall would be, you know, in nice shiny frames, a copy of this person's master's degree or this person's doc- doctorate. Everything looks very official. So for the and and in many cases we're talking and I think this is what the program features on. It's parents of children with autism who are desperate to get an assessment to get a diagnosis. So they will go to any yeah. length. So they yeah. walk in in good faith, believing well if that's up on the wall, yeah. they're highly qualified, and yet they're not. Yeah. And the child needs an assessment for say ADHD or um, uh, autism. Uh, to gain uh, access to services. Now, the thing is, like, that 
um, look outside the door if there's a pothole. You know it's a pothole. I know it's a pothole. But if an engineer doesn't say that's a pothole, then it isn't. So um, the, the, there has to be trust in the person who does the assessment. And it turns out that that trust was placed um, where it should not have been. Now, Koru, the name Koru itself originates from an Irish word, Kor, and it means fair, just, and proper. Now, that's what we need. We need fair, just, and proper uh, regulation um, of um, psychiatrists, uh, sorry, um, uh, psychologists, um, counsellor psychotherapy. Now, let me say, in fairness, with the IACP, um, the Irish Association for Counselling and Psychotherapy, the chances of someone getting on that website and named as an accredited counsellor, if there weren't, the real deal would be next door to impossible. Because a lot of people might say that the IACP can be a pain because they check <laughs> they check out everything. Oh my God, the amount of checking is unbelievable. You have had but doesn't to, that um, give people uh, peace of mind when they go yeah. on to the IACP website yeah. that you know everyone is accredited, everybody has done all the necessary uh, training that needs to be done. I mean, that gives somebody peace of mind. I mean, Absolutely. But to hear I mean, that my somebody own can the paper on the wall are um, all from UCC. Um, our favourite and beautiful university in Cork. And, um, you know, uh, everything is so checkable. But the IACP really do checkable in a big, big way. Um, even the course itself that one would have done. Now, my one, four years, UCC, um, uh, uh, the, uh, the course content the amount of academic work, the amount of um, client contact work, um, uh, we could call it like placement, um, every bit of that is checked out. And then one becomes pre-accredited where there's more hoops to jump through. And believe me, by the time a person gets the um, accredited name onto their um, uh, name, uh, you can trust them. Um, and, of course, on the ISCP website, um, there's a, you can click on a, um, a link of Find a Counselor. Now, there's 2,500 of us in the country, spread throughout the, um, the, the whole country. And um, if you put in the likes of, then we'll say, um, Bandon County Cork, up will come um, uh, an amount of... Um, uh, qualified and uh, accredited supervisors in that area so that one doesn't have to travel enormous distances to find someone fairly near. So, I mean, uh, the likes of that is necessary, but that's being done in my case, our case, by the IACP, yeah, but it's and that's, not done on a national and basis. that's covering counselling and psychotherapy, whereas the programme last night was showing that the title of psychologist is not protected, meaning anyone can call themselves a psychologist. Like I could go off and get a nice shiny brass plate and put my name up on it and write psychologist underneath it, put it outside the door and set up in practice. 
and a guy did that on the programme. And uh, oh. in three or four days, or was it three or four hours, um, he had a, 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 a PhD from some, um, I, I think they're called Diploma Mills in America, where you kind of had a menu if you wanted a, um, uh, a primary degree, it was like $299. And, if you were, and you could go right up to the whole lot for about $1,000. And lo and behold, you had a PhD. And, um, but you hadn't. And you hadn't studied anything. That's incredible. Um, so that, that loophole absolutely must be closed. And are you and saying I'm it's still... Now, in... I know that it's a long process. Yeah. Because when you think of the whole country and Koru, um, and people need to register that they want to be, um, you know, registered, well, um, each and every one has to be checked out in whatever ways that are decided upon so that no mistakes are made and that no person who shouldn't uh, jump through the hoop gets through it. So fair enough, but it's a long, long time. This started in 2017. And we're still going. And um, and I don't know when the day will come that we can say um, that job is done. So um, uh, I, I would understand. consider it to be really, really urgent. Yeah. Um, yeah. And hopefully a programme like this and what this programme exposed last night, often we do see change. It's, it's unfortunate that it has to take a programme like this, but we do see change happen as a direct result of an investigation like this by a we TV do. station. We, we yeah. do. And then when a person then, for example, if a person looks up the ISCP.ie or if their phone, um, I, I'll give you the number, it's a Dublin number for ISCP, 0123. Zero three five three six. That's zero one two three zero three five three six. Um, the 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 very very um, efficient uh, CEO is Lisa Malloy, and our Kahirlock, uh, our chairperson, is Shema uh, Shidi, and there uh, there there is an excellent um, and conscientious staff there. Okay. Okay. Uh, mistakes seldom get made. Okay, and that state body, Coru, that you speak about, that I have to say, they were a new state body on me. I was unaware of them. They've actually been in operation since 2007 and they were tasked with regulating psychology and other professions. But regulation of psychologists, it seems to remain elusive at a time when psych- the demand for psychology has soared. Okay, I have to leave it there. Listen, Joe, thank you for that. Have a lovely week and uh, we'll chat to you again next week. Thank you very Thanks much, Thanks for joining Patricia. us. That yeah, is uh, Joe Heffernan, who runs a counselling practice in Bohupwe. His number is 086 That's 86 And that's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon. Stay nice and warm and stay safe tonight with that status. Yellow warning for snow and ice coming in from midnight here in Cork. And it remains in place until midnight tomorrow. I'll talk to you tomorrow at 10. Until then, I'm Patricia Messenger. Good afternoon. On C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. 
But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.